Diner was my favorite movie in high yeah. school. And so just like going to the diner and hanging out with my friends, getting to live in a city. I could walk to the yeah. Belden and meet my pals there and like smoke cigarettes with my cutoff gloves in the corner and feeling cool. What was it about the diner, by the way, that you fell in love with? The Like the communal aspect of it, the hanging out, and the kind of um, Edward Hopper late night talks of philosophy in the dark, you know, in the middle of the city, but with food and the old timey waitresses and the great rice pudding and cups of coffee. I mean, it just, there's just a romance. Yeah. There's an urban romance to it that I always love. Hey, my name is Billy Dad, and I'm a restaurateur obsessed with what it takes to create the most memorable meals ever. Having come up working almost every position in the business, I've seen how there are usually hundreds of details that need to be orchestrated perfectly to satisfy the highest of expectations among all those that food brings together. This mix in chemistry, or lack thereof, makes for mind-blowing storytelling about more than just what's on the plate. So in each episode, with a unique and unforgettable guest, we will discuss the power of food, the importance of coming together for meals, and unravel, explore, and discover a life-changing dining experience that has forever impacted lives. This is the Meal of Your Life Podcast. Hey, what's up, everyone? This week is a really funny show. At least I think so. I had a blast speaking with actor, producer, and musician Paul Edelstein. You've seen him on Scandal, Private Practice, Prison Break, a bunch of amazing shows. And we just had the funniest time over so many random connections. The world is so small sometimes. I mean, dudes I went to high school with, to him being a waiter or the world's worst waiter, I think he said, uh, with actress Kate Walsh, uh, who we've both known for a really long time. His relationship with Anna Shapiro, who's an artistic director at Steppenwolf Theater, an amazing director who's been like my big sis with a little bit of Islands of the Philippines in her blood too. She's an amazing person. I got to have both of those people on the show actually. Kate, Anna, I'm coming for you both. You got to be on this show uh, soon. And um, we talk about our acting teacher in common, Joyce Piven, who I've talked about before. Um, we both studied at the Piven Theater Workshop, and we just took away so many life lessons from her, and I think you'll enjoy hearing them as well. Here we go. How did you get from Chicago to L.A.? Uh, not f- literally, obviously, but... Like, uh, first, time you- in a car, first time in my <laughs> grandmother's Camry. Did, is that true? Yeah. Because, you know, back in the day, people took long trips like that. They used to do it all the time. Yeah, it was a thing. And that's a brutal drive. Yeah, you get the Doritos and the Pringles and the, like, the maybe, maybe nutter butters. Maybe can, depending on how much, ru- <laughs> what kind of rush you're in. Wait, what'd you say? Maybe, oh. go, to, maybe go to the bathroom. And, yeah. yeah, my grandpa used to have a Folgers can yeah. in the front because Folgers was the, ca- was the, yeah. was the sure. coffee of choice. Sure, and, back and, in the, and smarter because wider. It's wider, right, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. And, uh, he, and he would pee uh, in the thing. And, and I don't think it was because it was a long trip. That was a thing in the car all the time yeah. for him. It, it was it, just, it's just like an inconvenience. Yeah. We don't do that. You can't do that now. No. Because like your car, you right now doing that, you, not, you'd, be, you'd be a real bad man. I'd be a bad man, and yeah. I like my car too much. Uh, <laughs> and, and you don't drink Folgers. Like, it was scrappy. <laughs> and also, you know, that drive is intense because that middle day, it's, a, it's basically a three-day drive unless you do it with somebody and you do like 18-hour days. Yeah. The middle day, you, if you're alone, you wake up, you drive, you go to sleep. Like you don't, you don't start, you don't end. Oh, right, you right. Just, drive and, I, that, and that was before books on tape correct i mean how do you, I, that was that was and no phones either oh no phones you couldn't chat with anybody you didn't so i did have a girlfriend d- once read make me a book like read a book 
like, to, on she read a book on a tape yeah on an eight track and you just popped it in and yeah was like, on a, on a, yeah on you're like one day this is going to be really useful this right. could be big no she did it for the trip <laughs> but it was like about the holocaust i was like this is depressing <laughs> i mean that's a undertaking three that, pages that is that's tough that, that's a commitment what happened with her you 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 kept her around for a while i'm hoping i did you do not i did, did you keep the tape oh you did yeah we're still very good friends oh good um, speaking of good friends, yes. this is so random. I had dinner last night with uh, Anna Shapiro. That's what I'm talking about. That was her? Yeah. Shut the <laughs> up. Are you kidding me? Yeah, no. Are you kidding me? No. I can't believe you just told me a story yeah. about going. I was like, do I mention her name? She wrote, she wrote a book. She read a she book read to you. She read a book to me. Well, did she read it like theatrical or, no, or, no. or just quite straightforward? Just pretty flat. Pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Just, so Anna Shapiro is a really um, amazing director, obviously. But yeah. she's, she's fascinating in the sense that last night, there's three guys, three three of us that all uh, went to see a play and had dinner with her uh, at my place. Um, Sunday, super loud and all kinds of crazy things going on in the background. And only for three hours, all we did was just stare at her and listen to her stories. Yep, she's an amazing storyteller. Yeah, which is obviously part of directing. She's also an amazing teacher. I mean, I think that that's the thing. I mean, even when she's directing, she's teaching to a certain degree. Um, yeah. And I don't know where it comes from, but it feels like, I mean, I've known her a long time and it's, it seemed like it was an innate thing in yeah. her. I don't know if it's... She's definitely a leader. She's a leader. Um, she told me that, um, I told her that we were going to talk today. She was like, that's amazing. You should talk to him about peaches. He thinks he's allergic to peaches and just tell him he's not. She's like... I, think, I, I'm and I think I'm allergic to peaches, but I'm probably not. Why? At one why? point I started getting like... Scratchy, itchy from eating peaches. Is it because peaches are itch or fuzzy? Maybe. Itchy? maybe. Like, because if it was, I uh, think that, I think it's psychological because I ate like like a shit ton of peach baby food when I was little. <laughs> that Gerber, even like, yeah, 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 even yeah, yeah. I remember being like eight, nine, ten, being like at the grocery store with my mom and just being like, "Can I just get one of these?" Really? She's like, "You're cool. You're just like, yeah. so good though." So yeah, you just and, you and, just overdid it. I think I just overdid it. But that so, so, so nothing actually, happens. Do you get like a rash or I get like scratchy throat and, and my hands get like stingy. Really? Yeah, I don't think I'm in any grave danger or anything. And then so she stands over you and and and, but and that's she's also pretty classic Anna. That's I mean she's a leader, but there's also a kind of like you're not allergic to peaches. And you're kind you're kinda of like yeah, because she well so it's so like, my, our backstory is so my mom is from the, the, the Philippine Islands and she has a Filipino in her yeah. her background, she's a quarter and a half. And so she's like my big sister, even though she's smaller and it has nothing to do with age. She's right. just very uh, intense yes. and opinionated yes. and tells me what I should and shouldn't be doing. Yes. So um, she a, a said, I director. should ask you about peaches. A born director. So then, then she, you know, and then she'll, but she'll tell you like, you're not allergic to peaches, allergic but what peaches. if you are? Right. You could die. Correct. All right. Which would so, be kind of like, see, told you, but then yeah. you don't want to win that argument <laughs> that way. <laughs> right. So you worked in restaurants. Yeah. And you worked with a friend of mine, Kate Walsh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, well, I, you, not only did I work with her, you mean in a restaurant or on yeah. TV? Because I worked with her both. But no. Oh, right. Okay. I didn't even get into the TV, but in the rest, in restaurants. Yeah, I, worked you, you, you know, this, I worked at Cafe Dumadi with her. She, she got me friend. that job. Um, I got fired from a lettuce entertain you restaurant. Why? <sighs> Dude, don't don't do don't don't stop now. We're flowing. They uh, <laughs> well, the bottom the, the the reason they gave was that they said that I comped some a friend of mine's parents, Mike Simons, who's the head of Intonation, Carl and Faye Simons were in town, and I waited <laughs> on them, and they said that I 
Carlin comped Faye. that Carlin. They said that comped Carlin Fay like two cappuccinos. Did you? I did with permission. Okay. Uh, and I, I didn't take it off the check first or something. Uh-huh. The real reason was um, they were there was a unionizing. There's a union threat, mm. and they're getting rid of the people that they thought might vote yes. Another irony being that my father, some years before, was Rich Melman's labor lawyer. Crazy. It was, it was Small crazy. World crazy. My dad was like, that's not what happened. But <laughs> and then I went and had yeah. a meeting and I wrote them a letter. I yeah. got like an affidavit from Carl and Faye saying <laughs> he didn't blah blah blah. So But it was water under the bridge. And then I had I knew Kate a little bit, I think through New Crime, because she had done a workshop with us. Oh yeah. And then I don't know, I bumped into her somewhere and I said, I got fired. And she said, You should come meet Francois at um how was that working together and working in that environment? Do you like being a... I was a really bad waiter. I started on Bastille Day. It was like 105 degrees. <laughs> and I had the patio. <laughs> and I knew nothing, especially about French wine. Uh, oh, man, it was just... I was just awful. All right, but you grew and up... And then he fired me a year later. Because he told me I wanted to be a musician and an actor more than I wanted to be a waiter. And I couldn't really argue with him and he felt bad he was like come by for a drink we have a drink i was like okay i think you fired me though but okay <laughs> um but that was a really that was a it was a fun place to work so you mentioned new crime yeah um that was a acting group that that that, that was uh, an acting group that jeremy piven the, the, cusack yeah jeremy and john jeremy piven and john cusack started mm-hmm. um they had been involved with something called the actors gang in la that Tim Robbins started. And that was a combination of Theater du Soleil, which is a French company that works with these extreme emotions, happiness, sadness, fear, or anger, only one at a time. And then in combination with the traditional Commedia dell'arte stuff, mask work, we used white face and painted huh. images, um, direct contact, eye contact with the audience. So when, when you're talking to somebody you're looking into the audience, even though you're speaking to somebody, and then you go like that, and then, boom, and then everybody's, everything is what they call marked, meaning in rehearsals there's a drummer. Max Shapiro, Anna's brother, was one of the drummers, one of oh, the wow. new crime drummers. And it was imp- improvisation-based, and then we would workshop a play for months, just improvising with it, and then work that into a production. It was, um, I mean, I'm so incredibly fortunate to have collided with those guys i mean and is that was, was that sort of your transition into the pivot theater workshop yes so i was in new crime before i ever went and took classes at pivot and were you with uh burn and joyce i or? took one course with joy with burn and but mostly with joyce mm-hmm. and uh um, how'd you find that experience incredible i mean she's just an extraordinary teacher um and an extraordinary storyteller i mean she actually has similarities to anna very strong very strong very strong person i studied with her too and she was the smallest person i knew yeah and yet the biggest person i mean i know one word of encouragement from her i don't know if it's her gravitas or where she chose to lay her praise it was i mean i think about things she's i haven't studied with her for 25 years and i i think about stuff that she told me all the time and in life or while you're actually working? When I'm working. Yeah. 
and in life. I mean, yeah. and now that I'm older and, you know, friends, kids, or just random people on social media, like, ask me for advice, like, how did you start? And da, 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 da. I always fall back on the things that Joyce told me. You know, I, was, I got involved with new crime in between sophomore and junior year of college. And I very much, I stayed home to do two plays with them. Took my junior year abroad in my parents' apartment. And I was basically said, I'm not going back to college. Um, and Joyce said, that's a mistake. You, you know, you need, to, you need to go read, I was an English major and a music minor. She said, you need to go read the great books. You need to write, you need to study. Don't go to conservatory. Go get a liberal arts education. Wow. She said, the, the thing that will serve you in this work is being literate. And I'd never made, that didn't, that seemed counterintuitive to me at that time. I was 20 years old. I was all guns blazing. And I thought, well, I found this thing I want to do. Why go back and study for a year just to get a degree, even though, you know, Jewish family, like, got to get that degree. Uh, I would not have been good to not, you know, um, finish school. But I thought, well, I'll take courses at Northwestern or whatever it was. But I ended up going back. And that piece of advice has served me so incredibly well. Um, obviously, in the, in the theater, which is very literate, which I did mostly after school, but even getting out to California or doing shows here, I, I, I don't know how to say it without sounding like a jerk, but I'm often amazed at certain actors and directors' inability to understand a script, a scene, mm -hmm. a line even, in either the either they've completely lost the forest for the trees and they're just totally focused on their own actors you know it's a common mistake well my act my character wouldn't walk to that chair right now because he had eggs for breakfast and he's like you know says it in the script so just go over there <laughs> um you know i don't know so it, it it served me very very yeah. well um and it's you know it's a piece of advice i still give people which is Feed your, feed your brain, feed your soul. You can't, and, and as Joyce said to me, you can, what are you going to act, acting? Like if you only study acting, what are you drawing on? What is your life experience? What wow. do you, you know, what do you? Man, she's awesome. She's awesome. She's just, that's a huge comment. And the, you know, and the game-based stuff, the play, the sense of play and those exercises and all that stuff that, and that story theater stuff, which is also very literate, um, I find myself drawing on it all the time. Um, you know, I grew up watching, you know, the great movies of the 70s and early 80s and the, this kind of intense De Niro, Pacino, Duvall, Hackman kind of, not method acting, but in that very serious realm that was kind of revered and I think by some of us almost intimidating because the work seemed like a mystery or seemed um, looking at it, it didn't seem playful. It seemed really right. Uh, it just in, in, intensely controlled, very controlled, and, deliberate. I think is the word yeah. I'm looking for. Now, as I got older, I realized that's not what I'm seeing. The character may be deliberate, right. and that those guys actually do have incre an incredible sense of play and. The more you know, you hear the stories about how they work. Like you know, if you've seen those outtakes from Godfather, but Pacino's all over the place and um, trying different things and all the time. Um, and 
So as I got older, I appreciated more and more having that ingrained in me that you're supposed to play, you're supposed to try. Process is a huge thing with Joyce. It's a process. Don't take the time to worry about if you're there yet. You're never there. You're only yeah. here right now. Keep working. I remember actually showing up and being so concerned about the whole shebang that you'd have to start and finish with. and Boom, stop me, right? Three seconds in, slow down. Yeah, right. Go fast. Give me an accent. Do it this way. Yeah. I, but I just want to get... I do it. Right, but I want, but I want yeah. to do it right. <laughs> I want to do it right. Yeah, that yeah. was a big thing for yeah. me. I want to do it right. And she was like, there isn't... That doesn't... That's, there's no such thing. I want to go back to... What, was, what were meals like for you growing up? Um, the family the dinner was a big deal in my house. I have, two bro I have a brother and a sister. So there's five of us total. And it was... Uh, not formal by any stretch, but it was a, every night a sit-down dinner uh, and a lot of discussion. Both parents there? Both parents, um, older brother and sister, and fun and funny, but also, you know, you kind of had to hold your own. Yeah. Like, if you had an opinion, you had to get pressed on it. And, that, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't uh, intimidating, well, maybe when I was, you know, maybe to a certain degree, uh, but. But even the fact that it was conversational is is unique relative to what we have now. I think that's right. Um, um, and it's something I'm trying to do um, with my daughter. I mean, she's seven, so it's not, it's not quite as much of a dialectic yet, but it's getting there and that's, it's really, I really see the value. I mean, I, I loved it at the, even at the time, I really looked forward to those meals. Yeah. I still look forward to having and what were Dinner the meals, the mostly? Um, my mother is a great cook. Um, you know, there was a radical change in around 1981 or two. It went from, you know, <laughs> it went from, health-wise, it went from steak, <laughs> burgers, lamb chops, meatloaf, to fish, chicken, couscous. Really? Yeah. Um, it's because that's when all the videos came out of like Jazzercise. And, all that stuff. And Richard's. And you know, my, da my dad was getting old, not older, but you know, they were getting, you know, he started exercising yeah. and quit smoking. And, you know, there was a kind of movement. And it was also, it was also more sophisticated. I mean, it was also, she was cooking the way she was taught by her immigrant parents, right? And his immigrant parents. From where? Uh, Eastern Europe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so there were these heavy meals and, um, Crisco and, you know, chicken schmaltz and all that <laughs> stuff. And then, you know, they were pretty sophisticated people. They were into the arts and um, kind of aesthetes. And, and um, I remember my mother, she may even have taken a cooking class or two. But just incredible meals. I mean, she would make like chicken schnitzel and she would make veal schnitzel and she would make salmon and she would make whitefish and always trying new things and never, very rarely working from a cookbook. Sometimes, but usually just kind of taking it and making it her own thing. And she started using the cuisine art a lot. <laughs> Pesto. Yeah. Um, fresh. Everything became like much When that came out, fresher. man, it was the jam. Everybody it was put incredible, right? It. Yeah, still. Abby Cooks and Cooks and Cooks. Remember those books? Um, she was like the cuisine art queen. <laughs> I did not know yeah. that. And, you know, they loved to entertain. Yeah. And she would make these big meals. And around the Jewish holidays, she would make kind of fancier meals. Um, but more traditionally, she would make brisket and chicken soup. And, but, you know, she made this chicken soup that, like, 
you go to a deli and you get chicken soup and it is this thick, brothy yeah. thing. My mother's chicken soup, you can see through it and there's nothing in it except one carrot, you know, slice yeah. of carrot and a piece of <clears throat> parsley floating on top. It's like the most elegant chicken soup you've ever seen. I'm getting seen. hungry. Yeah. So me too. speaking of these, th- those are incredibly important memories and, and moments. Is there is there one particular meal that could have been anywhere in the world at any point in your life that stands out that was a really memorable moment, perhaps good, bad, or whatever, but it definitely influenced maybe who you are or a path that you might have taken or, like, or just or just sticks out in your head? I feel like most important things happen over a meal, um, good and bad. Why do you think that is? I don't know. It's like the ocean. It's like we're somehow drawn to this thing we've always done. It's like sitting around a campfire or contemplating something larger. And there's something about breaking bread with people that is bonding and it's a commonality. I went to summer camp for 10 years in northern Wisconsin and um, boys camp. And those meals, you know, I mean, I, I was with those guys last night, like Mike from Intonation. That's how I know him from his yeah. camp. And I brought him here and he became friends with all my camp guys. Meals. I know like I've never ca- been to camp. The so camp I don't meal even... was <clears throat> totally chaotic, right? I mean, imagine 135 boys in a room, but you know, you sat with your cat, you sat with your group, okay. and just your group. And for eight weeks, you know, three meals a day for eight weeks. It's in, it's intense. What know? is it about that meal that is so memorable and so unique? Um, you're kind of let loose all day long. It's summer. It's beautiful. You're running around nine hours a day, and then you kind of have to sh- grind it down. You know, breakfast, everyone kind of, st- especially the older kids, you're going to stumble in. The young kids are all raring to go. And, you know, lunch and dinner are really it's like the heat of the day and you're there and you're finding out what everyone did and you're, you know, a week in, you feel like you're in a real family, you know, the private jokes and the shorthand and the, and the responsibility, you know, you had to KP, you had to clean, you had to wrote like whose job was it to take care of the table and get the food and clean the plates. And isn't it interesting that you're talking about this, but they're, what was on the plate? Like you're not really. I mean, not not nothing that spectacular, <laughs> right? No, it was you know. I, I mean, mean, breakfast was. Breakfast is usually pretty bad. Powder eggs, no, powder. Yeah, <laughs> for, for some thing. years. I mean, yeah. I started in '79, and it was watery powdered eggs yeah. for a couple of years, and then it got better. Cereal and fruit, and da da da. Lunch was always, you know, it was anything from grilled cheese sandwiches to tacos to soup. Now they have a salad, you know, like I guess towards the end. Yeah, I actually they had a salad. They have a salad bar. I, I never went to uh, a camp, but I, I volunteered at, at one last summer. That's a a, a a camp for kids with cancer called One Step Camp. If you uh-huh. ever get a chance, um, I think you'd love it because you actually go back to this camp environment. I see other people freak out who went to camep and these kids just forget. Yep. And that they have cancer. They freak out and have fun. And it's crazy. And I'm like, wow. And and I walked through and I was like, this is amazing. They have like this buffet of of of, of wonderful greens and mm-hmm. and salad bars and quintessential like comfort food items yes. like you know French fries and burgers and yeah, meatloafs yeah. and 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 stuff like that. Um, but trade you know tater tots and yeah. And then they would do you know like a few times a week bar, a huge barbecue outside. And so you just sit on a, you sit in the grass, which took a lot of pressure off the cabin dynamic in a way because you know. 
it's a lot to get kids to sit still for an yeah. hour and 15 minutes. You know. Is it sort of like, you know, you described uh, hanging out with your boys last night and, and getting together with them over some, you know, whatever. It, it's kind of like that, right? It's like it's like the Absolutely. glue that brings your, your, your crew together. And that that's yeah. sort of. Yeah. And I think that's true of the thing I was talking about my family, too, which is like this is the central event of the day, the communal event of the day. I mean, you have your day. Everyone else has their day. But that thing you do together, just like in uh, non-camp life, there are traditional meals, whether it's a birthday or a Jewish holiday or um, Christmas dinner or what have you. And at camp, it was the same thing. And what's cool about the camp thing is that it's a microco- It's a, an amazing microcosm of life. Dang, I feel like I missed out on camp as a kid and I don't think I can ever go back now. But I do love the camp that I volunteer at that I mentioned. If you can check it out, it's uh, for kids with cancer. It's an amazing organization. It's called onestepcamp.org. You can donate. You can volunteer. They rock. I'll be there again this summer. See you kids soon. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you're listening to this, but I hope you are. Um, and I am really excited to support. Also check out pivottheater.org. Um, they have amazing classes and shows. A lot of times people hit me on social about where to study uh, and what is cool to check out in theater. This is definitely one of those organizations that I love. Um, actually, both of these organizations have been part of my life for, for a while now, so uh, I really enjoy sharing them with you. Um, and my thanks to Paul. What a fun, cool dude you are. I appreciate you. If you want to get in touch, hit him at Adelstein Paul or check him out on all the shows that he's on really great guy. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, keep spreading the word. It really helps. And hit me direct on social if you have any questions or you have any um, suggestions or you want me to interview someone in particular. My social is at Billy Deck, D-E-C. And you can also get me on Facebook, which is just facebook.com slash Billy Deck. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. And uh, keep telling people, if you can, to go to iTunes or Stitcher and just subscribe for free. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do. Uh, Subscribe for free and then rate and review. It really helps me understand how to get better. Um, I love the motivation. Oh, my God, all the comments have been so positive, and I appreciate it. And I know there's more work to do, and, and I know I can get better, and I'm going to because your positive motivation is something that I really enjoy about this passion project of mine um, here at The Meal of Your Life. And uh, it also, when you do subscribe, rate, and review, it helps uh, with iTunes and Stitcher because they begin to promote it to all sorts of people far and wide that we don't usually get to be in touch with. And it's really great to spread um, all this goodness. So thank you so much. And I can't wait to bring you something awesome next week. Thanks, all.